Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then, you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. By Riverside. Welcome back to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. I know earlier in the week I teased an episode that we were going to have an interview, and that's why they tell you never to tease episodes because you just end up having to reschedule pretty quickly. Um, So that will be moved into next week. I'm not going to say the exact date. I shouldn't even have said next week because I probably just jinxed it. But uh, we are planning still to have the interview that that we had planned for today. But In other news, we do have a big announcement to make for the Backside Ground Balls team. We are welcoming a new member to our group, and it's Phoebe Winters, who's going to be helping us out on the production side. Phoebe, welcome to the Backside Ground Balls podcast. We're super excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, Yeah, I'm Phoebe. uh, I just finished my sophomore year at Virginia Tech. I'm studying communications and I want to work in sports broadcasting. Yeah. And, and for any of our fans that might be hockey fans also plug your, your hockey content and all the stuff like that. We we have no problem giving you, giving you the outlet to make sure you find new listeners. Um, Yeah. I record podcasts on the app relevant. Um, I work with the NHL fanatics group. We have a show called caught puck watching during the fall and spring. It's hosted on Tuesday nights and Friday mornings. Um, We're taking a little bit of a break for the summer, but yeah, that'll be back in the fall. And then I also write sports articles, mostly about hockey on the pro sports fanatics website. That's awesome. That's awesome. So before, before we get into our baseball content, who do you have winning the Stanley cup finals then? Oh, things got really shaken up after the first round. So I think I'm waiting to see what happens with the Hurricanes and the Devils series. But I think the Hurricanes might be at least to the the finals. I'm going to say to the finals for sure. I, I agree with that statement, and uh, our you just know are pandering already. This is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. This is great. This is huge. Yeah. Okay. Good call. Yeah, to the Carolina podcast, uh, throwing the Carolina Hurricanes out there. <laughs> smart, smart. You, that you're learning these lessons early in life while you're still in college. That you schmooze your bosses up as much <laughs> as possible, and you get uh you get some good things out of that. So Phoebe's going to be like I said, helping us out on the production side of things. She is going to be helping out on air. Obviously, maybe not as much when she first starts. Uh, we want her to get comfortable in her role first, um, but she's going to be helping us out and making sure that we produce as, as good of content as possible, which is what we're trying to do. And And she'll be with us for the majority of the summer. So it's super excited. And, and obviously I think I speak for Dan and I, when we say we're super excited to have you and we think it'll be a, a good fit with our team. 
Awesome. Well, we'll get into the college baseball. Um, it's kind of been a while since we've done our college baseball episodes. Uh, we haven't talked about what was happening across the game in a while. There's been a lot that's happened across the game. We've had coaches getting fired for gambling. Uh, we've had players being suspended for gambling. Who would have thought that would have happened in college baseball? Dan and I actually had that conversation like two days before the Brad Bohannon firing was like, you knew this was going to happen eventually. Um, but ton of good baseball that's been going around. We got a lot of teams that are playing really well right now. We're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about some teams that might not be playing real well. There's a new number one across the country, um, and it's our allegiance. Obviously, we're, we're huge fans of the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest. Uh, so we're going to give them some credit and, and talk about them. But first, we're going to look back at this past weekend with a lot of good series. We had the finals break across some of the conferences. A lot of the Big 12 series did not happen, so there's always going to be a lighter slate this time of year. But Wake Forest won the series against Boston College. Dan, did you watch any of that series? Uh, I only caught a little bit. I had a family in town again this past weekend, so I wasn't I'm not uh I wasn't as glued to the TV as, as normal, but I saw a little bit of it. And I, just quick reaction, that starting rotation, I know we've lauded it like 16 times on here, but that starting rotation is absurd. And yeah, every team in the country would take any of those three guys, I'm convinced at this point. Oh, they definitely would. But my bigger complaint is going to be the fact that ESPN takes like 480p cameras to only Winston-Salem and you cannot see anything. I don't know if it's – we'll have to ask Colin, like, is it the stadium lighting? Is it like the – like what goes on? Because it's like grainy video from center field and it's 2023 and it's college baseball. Like it's ACC. This is not, you know, the Mac Freedom. Yeah, but if you you it happens at most like I feel like Clemson's the only ACC school that has because like Miami's Miami's angles wonky, Florida State has some issues at times. Um, I, no offense, Phoebe, Virginia Tech never has a good camera there either. I feel like I'm only ever getting high home at Virginia Tech, like they play in the A Sun or something. It makes no sense to me, but um, the SEC gets like the big league. The SEC has better camera angles and, and quality than like uh, minor league baseball, which just yeah. Just follow the money is, I guess, what I would say. To that. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just, I just remember watching the the uh, Nick Kurtz home run video against Boston College on Friday night, and was just like, why do I feel like I'm in a twilight zone? Like it, it was, it's weird. It's weird. We got to get up there for a game to see if it's like that in person too. Um, and I, like I said, we got to ask Colin. I mean, he played there for three years, so he would know exactly uh, what it's like. But Auburn won the series against LSU, and that was in convincing fashion as well. They kind of kicked the teeth into the Tigers. They mercy ruled them on Sunday. South Carolina kind of continues to reel here with the series sweep at the hands of Kentucky. After the fire, the sudden firing of their coach, Brad Bohannon, which Dan and I don't have any information on the gambling other than our own interest in gambling, so we're not going to speak on that topic. Uh, but Alabama had a huge series win against Vanderbilt, and they have a really good opportunity to, to get hot and head into the tournament playing good baseball. Georgia took down a red-hot Tennessee team, who we're going to talk about a little bit of having some troubles on the road. Maryland continues to dominate the Big Ten, our good friend Aaron Arnstein. Uh, he does their play-by-play for the Maryland Baseball Network. They're out there. They're playing really good baseball. They, they won the series against Nebraska after their sweep of Indiana. UNC Wilmington with a series win over Northeastern in a big CAA matchup, and I'm going to come back to that after I talk about these last two series. Texas A&M with a convincing series victory over Florida. And Stanford had a huge sweep of Arizona State. And so, Dan, this is going to be the question. I want you to, to break down all that stuff. Where did I go wrong that I went to college in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and didn't go to UNCW for Cinco de Mayo Day at the ballpark? I've been asking myself this question for like the last however many years I've been out of college now. It was like, why did I let anyone around me in my life convince me that playing college baseball is a good idea? Like, just go to one of these schools, play club baseball, do some intramurals, maybe some, you know, some touch football, some basketball, get your runs in, you know, I, 
you know, I'd probably be a better golfer at this point in my life because you could do that when you're in college. Instead, I go play Division Two baseball in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. <laughs> yeah, it was cool and all. But like I, like you said, I could be Cinco de Mayo night at UNC Wilmington going to the beach the next day to, you know, sleep it off. Instead, I do that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Or one of these other big schools. We were down there at South Carolina on a Friday night. Like imagine that being your Friday night. I don't yeah. know. I made the same yeah, mistake just, as you. That's all I know. Yeah, like I'm walking around today. It's 84 and sunny. It's eight, It was 78, 80 degrees all last weekend. And I'm like, and I went to Scranton, Pennsylvania for college instead of going to UNC Wilmington. Yeah, that's even just, worse than what I did, by the way. Like if going to Scranton where like, I think what it's, the, I think there's a stat out there that's like every five years you live in Scranton, the like more depressed you get or something like that. Well, at this point it might be every one year, but I will tell you, statistically speaking, I don't know if this is fact or not. I think the sun only shines 60 out of the 365 <laughs> days in the year. It's miserable. It's depression fuel. That place is like just straight depression fuel. Look, I've only been there a couple times, and uh, one of the times I was I was in Scranton for a recruiting event, and one of my me and one of my good friends, uh, Justin Perry, who's now the uh, head coach at Albright, um, shout out Coach Perry. But we we went to have a nice dinner downtown Scranton. We were roommates, we were hotel roommates, and um, so we get done the recruiting event. We go downtown. We're having it's a summer night, beautiful evening in Scranton, even for Scranton by Scranton standards, and uh, we're eating outside. Fight breaks out across the street. It's like seven o'clock on a Wednesday night. We're just trying to get some dinner and go back to bed before we got to go do another 12 hours on the road the next day. There's just a fight in front of the police station, like the police station that's downtown. So it was really easy for the cops to clean it up. But it was just like it was just I felt like this is the perfect microcosm of what Scranton, Pennsylvania is. And uh, yeah, no, offense no, it, to, uh, the sun never shined. The no summer's not Andy bad. Salzman and, and co from Scranton. But yeah, friend of the pod. Um, but other than that, what, what did you, the weekend in review, let's get back on, on can we track talk here. a little the bit about, Brad, can we talk a little bit about Brad Bohannon though? Because sure. I want to know what happens, like your decision-making as a human being that like, what is going on in your life that you're the head coach of an SEC school. There's 14 such jobs in the country. And if you want to even take it to power five, there's like what? 30 some of those jobs in the country, I guess a couple more than that, 40 some of those jobs in the country. And you're feeding some one of your relatives or buddy in Ohio tips about your starting pitcher so they can make a quick buck. You got bigger fish to fry, Brad Bohannon. What are you walking around mad that you don't get paid as much money as Nick Saban? Newsflash, Nick Saban brings in about you know, 500 million in, in, in uh, revenue for the university every year. So you're never going to match his salary. You're not going to get 14 mil. But you make a pretty good penny. And like, what? where are you at in your life that your decision that you have to make is like, hey, my, my buddy's got – first off, it's not like the odds on FanDuel are that spot on for college baseball anyway. Like, so, like, it's not that big of a market. We're just – like, it's so easy to get caught. I just – it's a shame. And like you said, I mean, the news that's been coming out, Iowa was at Iowa State, had a bunch of athletes get in trouble. Uh, there's been like a handful of NFL players now getting in trouble. It's sad because it's just such a, a – it's even more proof that our society can't really have anything fun because, like, when they legalize sports gambling, like, it, you knew that these issues would arise. You just kind of hoped that they wouldn't. And and here we sit. Brad Bohannon's out of a job. I'm sure some mid-major will hire him next year, but I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't – I don't know. I don't have many opinions on it. Because I don't know what happened. And Brad Bohannon, by all means, there's a spot on this podcast for an interview if you're going to tell us <laughs> what happened. <laughs> Cause no doubt. No I, doubt. Like, I just want to know, like, is it as bad as you just laid it? Is he – like, I don't know. I, like, is he making money? I know there was a lot of money involved. It was enough to, you know, be – red flagged by the industry, like all of those things were obvious. Um, and apparently once the text messages were reviewed, it was instant termination of his contract. And like, it was like no questions like this had happened before. So I, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't have, I don't know. I, I just don't know 
what to think about it because I don't know what happened. I don't know what it's like in that clubhouse. I don't know if guys felt like he was throwing the game. I don't know if guys felt that. Like I, that's where it's weird is like the guys kind of seem to respond pretty well with that, with that weekend series win against Vanderbilt. And that's obviously a huge series victory for an Alabama team. And was that the galvanizing thing was getting around to getting a guy away that you felt like was almost impeding your success? As a sports gambler, I will say like after a coach gets fired, it's a, that team is always a lock in their next game. Like it doesn't matter what sport yeah. we're talking about. As soon as a coach gets fired, it's a lock. Joe Girardi gets fired. The Phillies win 10 in a row every year in college football. You know, Georgia tech gets rid of their head coach. Yeah. You know, and, uh, Brent Key wins like six of his next seven. It, it happens like that. There's a bump. Yes, there is a significant bump for whatever reason. I think a little bit too is like when you're – I've never been in a situation where a head coach has been fired, um, obviously. But like I think there's probably a little bit of it too that you – maybe in this case scenario you don't feel responsible. But you kind of like there is something galvanizing that happens when like oh shoot like our our head coach who we've been with since august just got let go like it, it kind of wakes you up a little bit you know I, I think it's probably a little bit easier to be locked in that following weekend and we need to move on after i say this cuz i don't want to get into this topic um but it's just funny like you know that baseball is like not top of the heap in college athletics like it's it's thursday and i don't know if you guys saw this but bob huggins at west virginia made those comments on sports radio about xavier on monday and he still has a job brad bohannon might be called up in a gambling thing and he was fired immediately <laughs> so like if you want to know where baseball stands in the college athletics landscape like uh this is like a perfect example right here because i yeah. thought bob i thought i was going to see bob huggins was fired like tuesday morning when i was sipping my coffee and it's thursday night and it still hasn't happened so he's not getting fired which is which is crazy like if you think no see move on let's yeah. go we're <laughs> not going to get i'm not defending bob right. like do i'm you, not defending this do do you want to talk about any of the series that were this weekend before we we move on to any of the the teams playing good baseball I mean, I think it's a little bit – yeah, I mean, a lot of these teams we're going to get into that you kind of glance over. I think the Texas A&M one's a little bit interesting just because, you know, people are probably tired of listening to us talk about how deep the SEC is. But, like, this is just another weekend that, that proves how deep the SEC is. Like, here's Texas A&M who, at this point in the season, no one's even talking about because – you know, they had some expectations, but they're in the West with LSU and, and you know, there's teams like Tennessee and Vanderbilt in the conference and – those teams continuously are winning and, and Texas A&M hasn't really done anything, but they haven't been embarrassing enough to talk about like Mississippi or Mississippi state. And then they come out and Hey, Florida, like, here you go. This is definitely a team that's capable of winning a series against anybody. And like, could you make a case at this point that like 12 sec teams could get it, could be in the tournament? I think 12 is a stretch, but I 11 as close to a lock as you're ever going to hear about 11 getting into an NCAA tournament. like And Which that's insane. insane. Um, but let's just say a Alabama goes on a run um, and they don't go three and three over the next couple weekends, which they have a very good chance to. They play Texas A&M and Ole Miss. So that's very yeah, formidable two to go three series. and three um, for them. But let's just say they don't. And then win the SEC tournament, they're getting 12 in. Like 10 are about a lock which is, again, it's crazy to think about. And and one of them, the last two national champions aren't going to be in the NCAA tournament this year wild. as it stands right now, which is even crazier to think about. And it's funny, you bring up the Texas A&M thing. This is eerily similar. I think we're seeing it with a couple other teams, and, and this will be my my segue into the next one, but next thing topic we're going to talk about. But Texas A&M, this is eerily similar to what they did last year. Right, Coach Schlossnagel takes over from TCU. They start playing good ba- baseball down the stretch. Next thing you know, they're they're sitting there in Omaha with a chance to win a national championship. And you're like, and that's what makes baseball so weird. Is is this? We talk about it with Tennessee last year of just the crapshoot that college baseball is. Like you can't go first to the, you know, start to finish in the pole position 
any given year. Nobody does it. We haven't seen it. LSU was almost breaking the record for longest tenure at number one overall from the preseason, and they finally got knocked off. And it's just very rare to see. And, and you get teams that start to play really good baseball, and it gives them a shot. So if Texas A&M goes and plays four and two baseball the rest of the way, wins three games in the SEC tournament, tournament next thing you know, they're in game three of a super regional at a one seeds place, you know, just ready to to go to Omaha again in Coach Slosnagel's second year. And we all know Coach Slosnagel's one of the best coaches in the country and one of the and specifically in the playoffs. Like I don't know. You could speak on it maybe a little bit more because I have my opinions. I think baseball's all the same. Is there a way to win in the playoffs? Is there a way to coach in the playoffs? Is there like some d- decisions that he makes that leads to more success? But he's a guy that whenever TCU sniffed the tournament, they were almost in Omaha. And he took a, a lot of TCU teams to Omaha specifically and teams that really weren't talented enough to get there. And it, it, I don't know if you if you have an opinion on, on Coach Slosnagel and his ability to coach in the playoffs. Well, stop me if you've heard this before, but Texas A&M's a sleeping giant, right? Like, I mean, they're you sleeping and giant in football. They're, they're sleeping giant. Well, they are. I mean, you just look at the program. You look at the money they have in boosters. You look at the alumni base that they have. You look at the facilities that they – like, they're not last in any of these categories in their conference. So why are they always bottom to middle of the pack in athletics? I don't understand. But Jim Schlossnagel – the complete opposite of the football coach they got in town. Like Jim Schlossnagel is one of the, like you said, he's one of the best coaches in the country, hands down. I mean, he, and you, as you said, he, the postseason performances. And I think there's just some guys who, yes, Trevor, I think the difference is just like you would think it is in everything. If you get into a playoff scenario and your body language and the way you go about your business makes it seem like it's a playoff scenario, what do your players do? They all tighten up because now they're acting like it's more than just another game when, and the reality is when if you prepare and you practice and you play throughout the season with you know the right mindset of not winning is everything of just like we're trying to get better and we're trying to play you know the game the right way and we're coming together as a team and you can start to build those things and you keep that going and then you continue that into the playoffs those are the teams that succeed right there isn't you know in our microwave Hollywood society, right? We always think there's some, there's Herb Brooks bursting into the locker room, giving you the, the um, miracle on ice speech. When that typically in real life, isn't what happens. Like you have to let your best players be the best players. Now I definitely, and I think you agree, there's a certain type of baseball that wins in the postseason um, because those are when the best teams and, and everyone's locked in. No one's taking a pitch off. You've got, you know, Two really good teams are always going to be playing each other in the playoffs. So I think a certain style of baseball wins when you get there. But I don't think it's, you know, the only way I think a coach can affect it is just by being himself and being loose and not treating it like it's anything different. Just let your guys go be your guys. And, you know, the best players are going to be the best players. You saw it, like you see it in Major League Baseball every year, right? Think about last year. The Phillies went on that crazy run. It's not like they, Rob Thompson and, and company switched what they were doing. No, Bryce Harper was out of his mind for two months. Kyle Schwarber was hitting home runs left and right. Like, and they went on a, their two best pitchers were pitching like two of the best pitchers in baseball. That's the recipe, right? And you look at the Astros, it's the same thing. Jordan Alvarez, you can't get him out in the postseason. He was playing like one of the best hitters in baseball. That's kind of the, the secret to success. Yeah. The temperament part that you made. Yeah. So I do, I do have opinions on it and you, you just happened to point it out. It took me a second there to, to remember. I was kind of thinking more in game decision, but right, just no, being a guy who doesn't ride it speak, right. I, I got to ride the wave Oakland A's <laughs> shirt from 2020, 2021 on, which just ironically the coaches that don't ride the roller coaster, they just ride the wave in, in the playoffs. You know, your team, your team is an embodiment of your coaching staff. And when you have calm dudes leading that pack, it's, it's very easy to see why they might have success that time of year. I've obviously only ever really been in baseball dugouts. I haven't been on a football field or on a basketball court, but to me, I just think your head coach, like you can just feel your head coaches like temperament at all times in baseball aura. and I don't know if it's aura. because it's if it's yeah their aura for, for sure like when yes. you're in the dugout like as a player as an assistant coach like I could always feel what the head coach was you know from when I was a player and 
one of our arms was down 2-0 in the count and our head coach is cracking his scully. Like, you just feel that, right? You feel those nerves. You feel that energy. I think because baseball is like a more methodical, slower game, you felt that. To, you know, being an assistant and being in a dugout when, like, if, if you're calm, your team is calm. If you're loose, your team is loose. Because something bad happens in air or a guy gives up a home run or a guy strikes out in a big situation – if you're throwing a temper tantrum or if you tighten up as a coach, everyone sees that. But if you're a player and you're at shortstop and you boot a ground ball and you look at the skipper and the skipper's over there and nothing's changed, you're, you feel better, right? You feel a little more confident. You're like, okay, I got this. I'll get the next one. It's not the end of the world. It's fine. But when they start acting like it's the end of the world, then of course you're going to feel that way too. That's what leadership's all about. Yeah, 100%. No, and I, I'm I'm as much of a big hippie as anybody. I study aura all the time, and and you feel that like you feel it with people. But that's a, that's a conversation for another day. Like you you walk in the room and you can feel somebody's aura if you pay enough attention. But obviously, there's a lot of teams that are playing some really good baseball right now that we want to kind of highlight. And and really, the majority of them are out of our normal, you know, group that we tend to talk about. Uh, the first one is is probably the team that's playing arguably the best baseball. The first two are playing across the nation, hands down, best baseball. But the first one we'll talk about are the Duke Blue Devils. Obviously, they're a good program, but not a great program. Coach Pollard's been there for a couple of years, and he's turned that program into a formidable one across the country, one that obviously recruits at a high level, one that develops at a high level. We had our good friend Matt Mervis on the podcast. He's a Duke guy. Um, all of those things that are kind of embodied Duke, now you're starting to see it translate into a top 10 ranking, into the potential of hosting, which we don't even know where they're going to host at. I think it's going to be on at their on-campus field, not at, not at Durham Athletic Parks, which stinks. That's a good stadium to view a game. But they're coming off three straight series wins against ranked opponents in Boston College, Louisville, and Virginia. They've done such a great job offensively, led by Alec Mooney, who's just a good baseball player, stud player. Saw him in the Cape Cod last year, loved the way he plays. And obviously, we were lucky enough to see this Duke team play early in the year. So, you know, so far over the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see a team that might push for push for regional hosting, super regional hosting, and and even's gonna have a chance to get into Omaha as well. Yeah, I mean, we saw it early when, I mean, they were one of Wake Forest's few losses the day we were there. And um, look, when you have a lineup with Bashares, Mets, and Stone, who can jump ship at any point, and like you said, Mooney, who's um, been about as productive of a college baseball hitter as you can be for several years now, um, I, at the top of that order, and he gets things going, this team is not to be messed with. They made the, the, the changes at the ro- in the rotation. Um, you know, they've stuck with Healy and Higgins. And those guys are, you know, if they weren't in a conference with the rotation that Wake Forest has, those two guys, um, you don't want to see them. And again, in, in these series and in these tournaments where, you know, you're getting the best arms in the first couple of days and you get into a regional and you need to win two games, three games to get out of a regional and you send those two guys to the mound, you feel pretty confident about it. Yeah, and I'll even say this too. The guy that you didn't mention is is Jonathan Santucci, who's a guy who pitched on Friday nights for them to start the year. He was a two-way guy, really good swing, up to 95 on the mound from the left side, lots of life and hop on the fastball. I watched him throw against Wake Forest that opening series on Friday night, knowing we were going to the game the next day. And he punched out 11 and four and a thirds. Now he gave up four runs. But the stuff was just elite. He's a guy who hasn't pitched since March 31st. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's an arm injury. But he was the ace of that staff. So to still see this staff kind of shape into form and be as dominant as they've been uh, since he hasn't been towing the slab and he hasn't been hitting as well, um, that's that's been huge for them because he is one of their star players. He's one of their best hitters. He's obviously their Friday night guy to start the year. So I don't know if he's going to be back. You know, we don't get information on injuries in college baseball, but he's a guy that they could really use. And if they did have, you'd start to believe this rotation is going to be one of the best dominance in, in regional play. Yeah, the way the the way some of these teams at the top of this conference are playing, the ACC tournament is going to be like it's going to be intense. And this is another conference that can end up getting a lot of bids in there, especially if someone that you don't see coming – 
that has the talent to win it, you know, runs the table in the tournament? What if Miami shows up and runs the table? I mean, they're talented enough too. Do I think they're going to? No. Florida State, same thing. Like, then you're, you're talking about, you know, a handful of teams in the ACC that are probably going to make it in there. And, and Duke being one of the most dangerous ones. I mean, they've been hot now going on a month. One of the hotter teams in the country, um, you know. Well, in, in between those three series wins against ranked team was a season sweep against Campbell. Right. And like that's a, a top 15 team in the country. Win over Coastal, like in dominating fashion, really. Yeah. Like it wasn't yeah. even a question. Yeah. So they're obviously playing really good baseball, but a team that might be playing better baseball right now is the Clemson Tigers. They've won 12 of their last 14, including a sweep over Louisville last weekend and a midweek win against Coastal Carolina. Obviously, when you look at this team, it's Coach Backage's first year there. Again, we've already spent enough time talking about Coach Schlossnagel and what he did at Texas A&M last year in his first year. Coach Backage is doing a little bit of the same. But offensively, this team is led by Caden Grice, who's a guy that is a household name across college baseball. He's got 12 home runs on the year with a 299 average, 12 doubles. He's got a 600 slugging percentage. But he's also pitching on Sundays for them with a fastball up to 95 miles per hour, a 3.42 ERA with 68 strikeouts in 50 innings. So obviously this team is built around Caden Grice. He is their superstar, but the pieces around him are starting to fall into place and you're starting to see this team that that is really not Wake Forest class of the ACC, but they're definitely they're pushing hosting territory as a team that at the early part of the year when they got swept by South Carolina, it didn't even seem like they were going to have a chance to compete for an NCAA tournament bid. We're growing these two way guys on trees nowadays. It's insane. I mean, yeah. like this is something that at this level, like you know, the lower levels of college baseball, it's always been pretty common, and even at the Power Five level, you see a reliever. You see a guy who, you know, is okay offensively and, and one of the weekend starters, you know, um, Adam Hazley, who was a top five pick in the MLB draft out of Virginia the year they won the College World Series, was a two-way guy, Sunday starter, center fielder, but he was like an okay Sunday starter, but he was a really good center fielder, ends up getting drafted as an outfielder. But nowadays, it's like, no, this is your best hitter and your best pitcher. Like, we just got, like, 17 Shohei Otanis running around Division One baseball, it feels like. It's ridiculous. I mean, obviously, Jack Caglione is the biggest one. He's got 27 homers. He throws a million miles an hour on the mound. But Caden Grice is the same way. Caden Grice's whip is just over one. I mean, he's he's struck out 68 yeah. and 50 innings. He's only walked, I think, what, 20 guys? I it, mm-hmm. He's ridiculous. Um, and, and, yeah, this is not surprising. I mean – it shouldn't be surprising. Eric Backich is probably one of the more underrated coaches in college baseball because of the fact he was in Ann Arbor for the last however many years where, you know, they can't even get on their field until the end of April. So, you know, you're in Michigan and it's it's miserable out. And Look, he's a really good coach. He took that team to the brink of winning a national championship against yeah, Vanderbilt four years ago. Um, and you knew that getting his hands on a Clemson program that kind of – had stagnated, unfortunately, under Monty Lee, who was a guy both you and I really like and respect and who we think is probably one of the better hitting coaches in the country with South Carolina. But Backage comes in, and you knew there was talent on this roster. He's going to continue to infuse this program with talent. I'm not surprised they kind of tripped out of the gate and were kind of getting their feelings under you know, what he wants. That they were, He was trying to figure out his guys. They were trying to figure out him, and now they're, they're taking off. And this is something that I think you're going to have to get used to with Clemson. Clemson's going to be a really good program as he stays there and continues to get his guys in um, through recruiting. And, and like, look out for Clemson in the portal this offseason would be what I would tell you. Yeah, and and he's a guy that, that kind of got his start – I guess in in big college baseball in at Clemson right. um, under Coach Leggett, that, and he was there staff. with Tim Corbin. His you know he learned un, under a lot of really good people, yeah. so he get he gets what it means to be a Clemson Tiger. Uh, he's going to do a great job there, and I think that's that's no debate. But seeing it this quickly, obviously, it is the transfer portal era, so it does happen a little bit more quickly for some teams. But you're still a little bit surprised, especially because they started out the season slow. Um, 
But, you know, they're just getting into form at the right time and, and going to compete at, at a high level over the next couple of weeks. And, and another team who's who's playing really good right now is the team that was in the top 10 to start the year. They kind of hit a lull in the middle of the season. They lost a series to Oregon, but they've won nine of their last 11 with series wins over a really good Washington team, a really good UCLA team, and then finish it off with a series sweep against Arizona State. This is a team that had a lineup with Seven out of their nine starters were preseason All-Americans, and it's shown offensively. They're hitting 307 as a team. They've got 80 home runs. They've got a 526 slugging percentage. Tommy Troy, who's going to be a top draft pick this, this coming June, is hitting 380 with 10 home runs, and it's all led by Alberto Rios, who's hitting 386 with 13 home runs. And you know you're in a good spot when your worst everyday starter, I put quotations up for those that didn't see, is Drew Bowser, who's a huge name in the draft circles. He's hitting 271 with nine home runs. And this offense is just so deep and it's so good. Yeah, it feels like their whole offense is knocking on double digit home runs and West Coast bias is, is or East Coast bias, sorry, is real in college baseball because you don't really talk about the Pac-12 and then they always show up in regionals and in Omaha, and you're like, wow, this team's really good. Where did they come from? And the fact is that they've just been good all year, and Stanford's one of those teams. I mean, Stanford's going to be a team that's probably going to host a regional. They're probably going to be in a super. Um, and they're they're just – they got a bunch of, of really good offensive players, and it's just kind of ho-hum for them. And like you said, there was – I think the Pac-12 – hurts themselves a little bit, especially early in the season. They'll have some weird series losses um, in non-conference, and then they'll kind of beat each other up, kind of like what the Big 12 has done all year this year, where they're just kind of beating everybody up so you don't have one team kind of separating and, and catching the headlines. But Stanford, after a rough start, has really rebounded and kind of rattled off a bunch in a row here. And and um, they're definitely a team as you get close to a regional. Like if you're looking around the country for a team that like, you know, you kind of have SEC fatigue or ACC fatigue, it's like look out West because that's a really – that's a complete baseball team, um, and they just don't get enough eyes on them week to week. No. They, they need to pitch it better, which is ironic for a West Coast team. Yeah. 5.65 ERA is a stat. They're led by Quinn Matthews, who's been great. He could beat any team across the country. 2.76 ERA, 107 strikeouts in 84 innings. But on the whole, the staff needs to be better, and they will be better. And I think that's one thing that, as we did, we don't need to get into this information right now, but I was doing a little bit of statistical analysis on the kind of averages across college baseball and and obviously how we've seen it change. To hit for power in the Pac-12, that's impressive. That's a, that's a huge bump for that group. So when they get into the warmer climates, if they have to come east or come to Texas for, for a regional or, or super regional, they're going to be all right on offense and they might almost be better. Um, Maryland is another team that that we want to talk about today. Obviously, as I already mentioned, our good friend Aaron Arnstein, who obviously is on the call for Maryland Baseball Network. Since he joined us on the pod, team's almost almost just gotten better. Uh, offense is firing on all cylinders. Matt Shaw is arguably one of the best players in the in the country right now. They've not lost a weekend series since the Cambria College Classic, which comes as a surprise because that was in early March. That was Dan and I came back from playing a, a round of pickleball and uh, had watched some Cambria College Classic. That's how long ago that was. Um, they swept a very good Indiana team who was getting hosting buzz, and then they just followed that up with a series win against a really good Nebraska team. So obviously Aaron gave us a ton of content on those guys individually. But, Dan, what have you seen from Maryland that, that makes you excited for this group? Well, I remember in February watching them down at, at Swayze and uh, get playing against Ole Miss and like, oh, this is an opportunistic offense. Obviously, Ole Miss, you know, they were in that series for the most part. Ole Miss was kind of starting to show their pitching struggles. They were giving up a bunch of free bases. But he was like, oh, this this Maryland offense can bang a little bit. I mean, they have two guys with 20 pumps. Like that's that's kind of all you needed. Two guys with 20 bombs. Like, you know, yeah. who else do you know in the country doing that? South Carolina with Casas and Petri. Like there's not a lot of teams, you know, Cruz and White. Like there's not a lot of teams that are that are that have guys that are um, going deep 20 times in their lineup every day. And, and they're feasting a little bit on a, a weaker Big Ten 
uh, conference. They're down. You know, it's not typically known as one of the better conferences in the country, and they're down. I think a little bit this year, but look, this is a this is another. They're playing really good baseball. Good for them, and that offense can swing it. Mm-hmm. And that park is small too, but definitely two guys with twenty bombs. Whew, that's pretty impressive. Butch Thompson's leading the Auburn Tigers, playing good baseball late in the year. He is probably the most underrated coach that doesn't get enough credit. He always does this with his guys. They always play good Memorial Day weekend in the SEC tournament, and then they always play good in a regional. And next thing you know, like last year, they're sitting as a final eight team in Omaha. They're coming off back-to-back series wins against LSU and South Carolina, which we've talked about as being the class of the SEC's uh, this year and the series win against LSU was the first win over a number one program in the country in program history for the Tigers. So obviously we've heard this before with Butch Thompson and, and his group. What's been so oppressive about the Tigers recently? Look again, this is another one of those deep SEC teams that just continues to get better as the year kind of rolls on. Uh, like, that conference just – there's no one in that conference who you're surprised by winning a series. And and it's just what teams are going to be able to stack them together. Now, obviously, some of the teams at the top are, are much better, and they, they really string stuff together for a lot of the year, looking at LSU and, and teams like that. But, this look, this is another really good baseball team. I don't know. I feel like I'm saying this about all these teams. Like, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. You see an SEC team. It's like, oh, don't be shocked when Auburn rattles off three straight series wins because – Guess what? They have a bunch of guys who can hit the baseball really hard, and they got a bunch of guys on the mound who can throw the baseball really hard, and they're deep. It's like, okay, yeah, but so is the other 10 SEC programs that we talked about earlier. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the talent is just different in that part of the country. And the talent in the state of Georgia is different as well. They got that at Atlanta metro area. It helps them in all sports. But in the baseball, that's probably the best dense population of baseball you're going to get across the country. The Bulldogs, they've been playing good between a series sweep of Arkansas and a series win against Tennessee. They had a series loss to the Ole Miss Rebels. So it's not exactly like they're scorching hot right now, but they're putting together wins. They have a series against Missouri. If they if they can win two or three of those and then go take one from LSU the last weekend of the seri- season, they're going to have a good shot to get in the tournament. Uh, they also had a midweek win against the Clemson Tigers, who we just got done talking about. So, Dan, your your dogs are playing good baseball. I know you got nothing but love for, for the Georgia Bulldogs. So what are some of the things that have stood out to you that makes you so impressed with this group? Yeah, I mean uh- – Listen, this is probably the most surprising one for us. This is, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago we referred to them as a football school, right? Because we their, did their baseball program. I always like, eat my words, don't I? Yeah, you seem to have a uh, a really good reverse jinx going on. Um, and then I kind of helped the dogs out last weekend, which you had told me I knew what I was doing because I texted you after <clears throat> Friday when Tennessee kind of whipped them up, and I said Tennessee's rolling. And then on Sunday, I was I texted you after Georgia won the series. I said maybe not, and I knew what I was doing a little bit with that. I'm never going to be <laughs> mad when a, a, a Georgia team beats a Tennessee team. But, um, yeah, man, like I was surprised by this because this is a football school. This is a team that you're like, this is probably one of the worst teams in the SEC. You know, if, all, if the two Mississippi schools weren't underperforming greatly, you would probably say that Georgia was the weakest team in the SEC, maybe Missouri to start the year. Um but look, they've now put together a bunch of wins and they could sneak into a regional, which like in the beginning of the year, that kind of felt like it was impossible. Now, they have a young AD who's pulled the trigger on a lot of coaches. And I don't want to talk about another person's job, but this is probably really good for, you know, the skip sitting down there. His seat's not as warm as it was. And they're going to get a bunch of renovations to that stadium, I know, Um because there's some good money rolling in from that football program winning a bunch of national championships. But um, so things are looking up for them. And like you said, it's interesting because it's so weird to see a Georgia team struggle because of how talent rich the state of Georgia is. The amount of good baseball players there are in that state in high school, like to see a team struggle as much as they kind of have the past few years. And we've mentioned this a few times. I think we mentioned on here how COVID really hurt them. They had the team with Emerson Hancock and, and those guys, and they were they were kind of slated to be one of the better teams. 
and then COVID hit and they, they lost a lot of those guys. So it's good to see. I, I was definitely surprised to see the series win over Tennessee. Um, but can they be consistent? They really still haven't quite been consistent from start to finish. Um, and put like two, three, four weeks in a row. Cause like you said, yeah, they swept Kentucky, but then they lose a series to Ole Miss and then they win a series against Tennessee. So how do they finish the season? And then obviously what do they do in the conference tournament? Yeah, they have to play well to finish off this year and go or having a series against LSU to end the year is not going to be ideal. Um, the one guy I do like to want to point out on this Bulldogs team is Charlie Condon. He's a redshirt freshman. Um, and we talk a lot about Ethan Petrie being one of the best young guys in baseball. You're talking about a guy right now who's hitting 410 with 22 home runs as a true freshman. Been really impressive to see what he's done. And obviously he's going to only continue to get better. And he's pushing Ethan Petrie for, for freshman of the year in the conference and definitely has a, has a, um, statement claim there with the 22 home runs and the 410 average. The last team we'll talk about here, uh, is West Virginia. They've won 14 of their last 16. Uh, they got series wins over Oklahoma State. They swept TCU. They swept Baylor. Uh, they won a series against Oklahoma. They have three midweek wins over Pitt and one over Penn State. So a lot of power five victories there. Obviously, West Virginia is a team that we have not talked about a ton this year. We are definitely anti-Big 12, as everybody knows, because we refuse to talk about them. So, Dan, what are some of the things about the Mountaineers that have stood out to you that makes you think that this is a team that can make some noise come June? Ah, the fact that in a in a conference that's kind of been cannibalizing itself all year, they've only lost five conference games. I mean, you in the beginning of the year, it was like Oklahoma State would win a series over Texas. Texas would then go beat TCU, and TCU would beat Oklahoma State. And it was just like they were all beating up on each other, and West Virginia's kind of just stayed above it, and they continue to win series. And what do the best teams in the country do? They win series, right? You're going to lose games in college baseball. You play 58 of them. It's can you avoid – getting beat, getting swept, getting upset, things like that. You go to play a midweek game you're supposed to win, win it. You play a, a, a weekend series against a team that you're much better than, just win the series. You don't have to sweep every series. And they've done that. And then as you get hot down the stretch like they have, you do start to sweep the teams like Baylor who aren't very good. And and you put it together. And, and look, J.J. Weatherholt is probably the most – is probably the best player who nobody knows – in the entire country. He started 43 games this year. He has 181 at-bats, and he's almost hitting 500. He's hitting 470. He's got 14 homers. He's OPSing 1366. I mean, he's got some of the most impressive. He's got 20 doubles to go along with 14 homers. He's got, like, some of the most impressive numbers for a guy who not many people probably know because he's playing at West Virginia. And, you know, they've had some heartbreaking regionals the past couple years. Um, cause this has been a program that's on the rise. Now they just seem to have gotten into the postseason and always fallen short in a regional and they can't get over the hump and get to a super, but this year it looks like they may be positioned to do it. Um, I don't know if they're going to be thought of well enough to host right now. They've hosted the past couple years and they haven't been able to get out of it. But I mean, if you want a team that kind of no one's talking about, they might be, uh, you know, there might be an option there is to, to look at West Virginia and what they've been able to do. Um, to potentially get out of a regional. Definitely, definitely. And I think the the Mountaineers are, are playing real good baseball and, and a team that we should keep an eye out for in, in June. And if they do get to host, and if not, they're going to – that's not a two seed that you want to come have come into your place and, and push you. So I'm going to read off a couple of teams, and, and it's teams that really – We've given a lot of credit to throughout the year. Uh, so we're definitely going to be surprised by the way they're playing right now. But a couple teams that aren't playing their best baseball right now, and I kind of just want to get your thoughts on on the whole of it. Obviously, baseball is a long season. They could turn it around. But South Carolina. South Carolina swept Florida two weeks ago. Everybody's starting to talk about them as the best team in the country, the team that can knock LSU off the number one. And then they lost the series at home to Auburn, which they had not lost at home very much. Then they got swept by Kentucky, 
and then followed that up with a midweek loss against North Florida. They got a lot of injuries right now. Wimmer's not playing. Um, got some pieces that they've had to move around the field to make sure guys are getting every day at bat. So it's understandable, but that's not a team that a couple of weeks ago we thought would be in this position. LSU. Paul Skeens has been great. He's been phenomenal. Uh, but outside of him, we got some question marks about their pitching staff. Ty Floyd, he struggled with the strike zone when we were there in South Carolina to watch him throw. Uh, he hasn't exactly been great since. You have Thatcher Hurd and Christian Little both struggling as starters and being moved, both of them, to the bullpen and kind of alternate there. They've had injuries, so they're lacking the depth. So definitely some question marks about LSU, who was the, the front runner for the national championship there for a while. Florida. So Florida obviously got swept by South Carolina, and then they just dropped the series to Texas A&M. So definitely one of the more talented teams across the country, and you're just waiting for them to play their best baseball. And the last one is Vanderbilt. They lost the series to Alabama two weeks after being swept by Tennessee. We worry that the lack of power might be catching up to them. Uh, you, we know that three-run home runs win the playoffs. So, Dan, obviously there's a couple teams there that we've talked a lot about. And what one in particular stands out to you as as worrisome? I don't know if any of – I mean, LSU for me, it's more so like the health of the pitching staff. Like when you get to this time of year, you need to be healthy on the mound. Like everybody's dealing with banged up and position guys are tired and they're probably playing through stuff and everybody's got one or two guys who are who are probably out of the lineup. But if you want to win in the postseason and you want to win this time of year, you got to be healthy on the mound. And they're just not. And they already had some question marks on the mound. That was their one weakness. And now they're injured. And we kind of saw that happening uh, the weekend we were there in South Carolina. And that's kind of concerning to me. Um, South Carolina doesn't have an ace. To me, though, when I look at this group of teams and how good they are, and, and it's more so like you can take this a couple different ways. One, you can you can panic, which I think would be stupid for any of these teams. They're much too talented. You can use it as a wake-up call, or you can just say, hey, this is some adversity. Every team's going to face adversity at some point. None of these teams really had faced any adversity leading up until this point in the season, especially when you look at LSU, who just kind of showed up on opening day and started kicking everybody's butts and didn't stop until recently. So like, Hey, this is a good thing. Like just, you can look at it this way. This is fine. Everybody faces adversity. We're facing it right now. Learn from it. It's easy. It's a whole lot easier to learn from losses than it is from wins. Get it cleaned up for the postseason. None of you are in jeopardy of anything. Every like each and every one of these teams, their goal of getting to Omaha is still right in, in front of them and they can, t- you know, jump on that opportunity. So I wouldn't, you know, is it concerning? Maybe more so the injury side of things than it is just the, the win-loss record. Yeah, definitely. And and the one thing I will say is you never want to play your worst baseball in June, right? No, These teams right. have given themselves enough of a cushion by playing really good baseball through the beginning parts of the year, and they're able to hit their slump in early May, start to get healthy, start to round in form for the SEC tournament, and then play their best baseball in June and hopefully lead their way to Omaha because each and every one of these teams can very well make it to Omaha. I think the one team that I think has the best chance to make it to Omaha is Florida just because of the depth of that team. LSU, I have questions about the pitching staff. South Carolina, I have health questions, questions about the pitching staff. And Vanderbilt, obviously, we've voiced our our concerns about their offense on the whole. But that Florida team is just very deep. So I'm not worried about any of those teams except for LSU's pitching outside of Paul Skeens. That's been a problem. That's going to continue to be a problem. It doesn't – they're not making any trades. You can't, you can't bring anybody new through that door. Uh, the guys that they've tried – you know, haven't been as great as they, they needed to be. It was a back of the bullpen issue, and now it's turning into a starting rotation issue. The last thing we'll talk about today, and we don't have to go in depth on the Wake Forest offense as a whole or this pitching staff on the whole. We've done that enough. But Wake Forest is ranked number one overall for the first time ever. They do have a national championship in there, so I guess you could argue would would be the number one team. But that right. was in 1955, so we don't need to to worry about the rankings Close back the then. Yearbook, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> they're hitting 307. 
on basing 434 and slugging 551 as a team with 94 home runs in Winston-Salem Airport. That is the couch when the wind's blowing out when it's 340 to center. You know, I the fact that Colin ever got outs there, praise you, man. That's why you're in triple <laughs> ball right now. Uh, Staff's pitching to a 2.56 ERA with 550 Ks and 412 innings. Uh, you know, just you look at this lineup, they lose guys, new guys step up. Cessary's back. You got Justin Johnson or, um, playing really good baseball. Um, obviously, Nick Kurtz, Brock Wilkin, Tommy Hawk, all of these guys are just just stud baseball players. And it's really impressive to see what this group's done. And, and obviously we're huge fans of the Demon Deacons and what they've been able to do. So definitely wanted to give them their flowers today. Yeah, I feel like we've given them their flowers all season, but I, I'm not, I'm they not deserve ready to it. stop doing it. Yeah, I love this program. I said it like in March that I was on the bandwagon. I'm riding. Obviously Colin kind of drove a lot of that, but you know, just going and seeing that team and I'm a fanboy of those three guys in the rotation. What a dream to have those three guys at the top of the rotation. Just hand them the ball every weekend and know you're getting some of the best baseball um, that you can get from the mound. And look, they're really good. They're a legit threat. They they have a really good shot to win a national championship, and that's exciting. I mean, it's a small school, so for them to be doing that um, is awesome, and, and it's it's really fun to see. Also, real Wait, so quick, need- I just want to go back to, to you were talking about LSU. Imagine if you could get traded. Like, imagine waking up in your dorm room in, like, you know, California and you get a phone call from Skip that you just got traded to LSU. <laughs> yeah, I call the parents. <laughs> Going to a new school. Yeah. Um, and I do want to apologize to just. I do want to apologize to Justin Johnson. I called you Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I don't think you're catching patch, passes from Kirk Cousins right it's now. It's a compliment. Um, yeah, it is. It is. He's a he's a pretty good. That's athlete, a pretty good so. athlete. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no the the trade thing mind blowing, and also so you're telling me that the 1955 national championship for the Wake Forest Demon Deacons doesn't move the needle for you? I'm just saying, close the yearbook. Like at some point, we got to move on. Like you get glad, happy, you won a, a, a national title, but we're going on 70 years here. <laughs> at some point, it's like uh, you know, is what it is. Yeah, definitely. So we'll just preview a little bit of this weekend. We'll just run through it and and then get you guys out of here. So uh, we got Vandy heading to Florida. That'll be a good series. We'll see which team comes out on top there. Obviously, both aren't playing their best baseball. Kentucky heads to Rocky Top to take on Tennessee. Tennessee's obviously played a lot better baseball at home than they have on the road, so they're going to be in the friendly confines there. South Carolina heads out west to take on Arkansas. Uh, That'll be a really good series, and we'll see if South Carolina can get back on track. We're going to head out west. Uh, Washington's going to take on Oregon in Eugene. Virginia Tech plays host to the surging Clemson Tigers. That'll be a good series, and our good friend Tyson will will be there. Uh, Battle of reeling programs. We got Louisville. They head to face the Virginia Cavaliers. And a big Texas rivalry here. We got Dallas Baptist and University of Texas San Antonio, two ranked programs they are playing this weekend. So lots of good baseball. It's not as deep of of a weekend as we're used to some of these weeks that we've had in the past. But, damn, which series are you most excited? to to watch go roadrunners man utsa give them some love they got some good uh they got the things rolling in the athletic department in san antonio right now they got a lot of good uh programs right now but um virginia tech and clemson look we talked to tyson last week that offense is really really good in blacksburg and and uh clemson's one of the hottest teams in the in the country right now so um that weekend series between them has, has all of a sudden shaken out to be like a really big series yeah, should be a good one. Uh, definitely going to be – Virginia Tech's definitely want to gonna get a couple of wins here. Uh, they play Clemson and then Wake Forest and then have to head into the AC, ACC tournament. It's a stretch to end this yeah. season. Um, t- that's what Tyson said. He said yeah. he didn't want it to uh, to matter very much going yeah, into the, the last couple weekends. Unfortunately, it does. But – Other than that, make sure you're following on all social channels. Uh, Make sure you're checking out us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, doing anything we can to grow this podcast. We enjoy doing it. We hope you enjoy listening to it. Share with five friends any way to help us grow. Make sure you're checking out our partnerships at SeatGeek. 
head out, watch some NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball games, concerts, anything you need. SeatGeek is your live ticket resource. And then BetterHelp, anybody who needs mental health services at the click of your phone, all online, professional services that you need. Make sure you check out BetterHelp, Backside Ground Balls. That's your best bet for that. But until next time, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Great news. Major League Baseball is back. The college baseball season continues to electrify. And with the help of our friends over at SeatGeek, we can get you out to whatever game you want to see. All you need to do is head over to SeatGeek, find your game you want to go to, and enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to get $20 off your first purchase. Maybe you want to go see some NBA or NHL playoffs. I don't know. Maybe you want to go to a concert with the weather warming up throughout the country. No matter what event you're looking to go to, our friends at SeatGeek can hook you up with the best deals. Great seats at an affordable price. You can't beat it. Make sure to enter promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL for $20 off. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL.